Welcome to the Boneyard with Steve Robertson. As always, I am your good friend and host, Steve Robertson. Man, it feels so good to win. Even when you expect to win and expect to win big, it still feels so good to win. That's not to say there weren't some teachable moments on Saturday. There were. There were. We got off to a slow start offensively. But at the end of the day, it's you think about this. I mean, all those points still count. Like if we had scored uh, 45 points in the first half and three in the second half, the narrative been, well, I don't understand why we took our foot off the gas in the second half. Uh, we play four quarters, and uh, you add up all the points you score over the course of a ball game, and the one who scores the most is declared the winner. That's how it works. No matter when they're scored or how they're scored, who does the scoring, whatever. But we won. And I'm going to celebrate a victory here today. Hope you guys are as well. And again, I think it's a best-case scenario for our coaches. And I said this in mine and David Murray's uh, post-game wrap-up. You take care of business. You get out of there healthy. But you also have some moments where you can correct the team and say, you know what, hey, yeah, you won by 41 points. However, you should have done this. It should have been a shutout. Do we not agree on that? You had that one drive, that 79-yard drive, we had them in a third and 20, and we miss a couple tackles, and they go right down the field and score. You make a tackle there, it's a shutout. Southeastern really couldn't do anything offensively without our help, despite the fact that they did have a good game plan, as Zach Arnett mentioned. They did come out and try to, you know, work the perimeter and kind of negate our pass rush a little bit, kind of keep our backers out of the backfield, and eventually that began to break down. The difference in the strength and conditioning programs was evident in that second half. Uh, you may not know this. They got 55 yards in the second half. 37 of those 55 came on one drive, the final drive against the Bandit defense. So, yes, they had a little bit of success early. They didn't hardly have any success late. You had six second-half drives for southeastern Louisiana. Four of those six ended in three and outs. So there's so much that we can look at today, and we're going to. We're going to spend a lot of time talking about this ball game, But also, too, that you look at and say, okay, we got a W. We did. We did. Can we play better? We absolutely can. And to me, that is the encouraging aspect of this. Not just the fact we went out there and put up 48 points and won this game going away is that we really didn't even play our best game. Had some explosive plays. It's been a while since we've had those. We almost don't know how to act, right? When Creed Whittemore got loose down there on that run, I was looking at the student section, and it's kind of like, oh, yeah, yeah, we got cheer, we got cheer. And uh, to our students, before I get into this uh, too deep, I'm going to be honest with uh, with everybody here. Uh, You students, you guys rock. You packed it out. Very few spaces in the student section that are unoccupied. Of course, later in the ballgame, some of you decided to go home and uh, pursue your nighttime entertainment activities. I'd like for you to stay the whole time, but I get it. I get it, especially uh, school just starting out. You've got your eye on that uh, cute freshman girl. I get it. I get it. First big football party weekend of the year. I understand. All of that said, Our crowd as a whole, students withstanding. Again, students, I love you guys. Awesome. Guys, we got to pack out Davis Wade Stadium. Simple as that. You know, we always talk about, well, you know, no, no, no. 
One thing that I will give Dan Mullen a lot of credit for is he said from the beginning, you don't get the big-time football program and then pack out the stadium. You pack out the stadium first, and then you get the big-time program. Uh, That's true. That's true. You got to be a part of it. You know, so the thing that I go back to is uh, are we a consumer or are we contributors? It's a real question. I think a lot of people have to ask yourself. Are you really committed to Mississippi State? Are you just kind of dating Mississippi State? I'm committed. Uh, My life's work is about Mississippi State, right? I don't expect everybody to match that same level of commitment. But, guys, we have not played a football game at Davis Wade Stadium, a real football game, until basically the uh, middle of November. It's been almost 10 months. And you had cooler weather. I know it rained a little bit uh, kind of the morning of. And we didn't come to, and we didn't come to the game? Well, Stevie was dove hunting. Guys, come on. I mean, really. Really. You got months and months you can dove hunt. You only got eight home games for football. I'm not trying to tell you how to spend your life or whatever, but if we want to be a big-time football program, we've got to come out there and pack out Davis Wade Stadium. What message does that send to recruits? What message does that send to the national media? What message does that send to your administration? It's like we want all these new fan amenities, we want a better experience, but we don't come to the games. You know, we have a kid that, uh, you know, takes a visit somewhere else and goes and sees an electric atmosphere, and we're like, well, I don't understand. I don't understand. Well, you sat home. I want a big-time football program. I do. I think a lot of people want that. And so, like, Steve, I hate it when you get on the fans. Well, sometimes, you know, I'm going to work a program of rigorous honesty here. We were not where we needed to be from an attendance standpoint yesterday. We weren't. We need you to be here. Not just our Starkville merchants. Not just Mississippi State officials. The Mississippi State coaches and players need you to be here. You guys provide one of the most imposing home field advantages in the country. When Davis Wade Stadium is packed out and we got 50-some-odd thousand people ringing cowbells and some, some guys ringing two, it's intimidating for those teams. So I'm asking you, I'm begging you, I am imploring you, come to the football game. We got seven of these left. You can say, Steve, the season just started. We got seven left. You got seven chances to come to Davis Wade Stadium this year and help make a difference. And you know what? Some of these ball games, it may boil down to you, quite simply. And then people say, well, Steve, you know, I'm just a fan. No, you're not just a fan. When you come to Davis Wade Stadium and you raise hell out there and you lift the emotions of your team and you diminish the emotions of the opposing team, you are not just a fan. You are a contributor to the Mississippi State football experience. So don't sell yourself short. 
Come be a part of this. Let's thank our friends at Bulldog Burger Company. Uh, on Saturday, they had the, uh, the Jolly Roger on the burgers instead of the regular Bulldog Burger stamp in honor of Mike Leach. Uh, his family recognized after the first quarter of the ball game. It's good to see. Kind of emotional, but still good to see. Uh, I want to thank our friends at Bulldog Burger Company for doing that. I know it seems like a small thing, but it's not. It's not a small thing. And again, it goes back to this whole thing about Bulldog Burger Company not just being another restaurant. This is a restaurant that is closely affiliated with the Mississippi State family. They understood the significance of the day. I wanted to make sure that you guys are aware of that. For those of you that may have missed it on Twitter, I wanted to make sure you knew that Bulldog Burger Company honored your coach, your former coach, and um, kind of got this thing going, man. Got this thing going. And that's the thing that's important to understand. You know, it's just, I like doing business with people that do business with us for all the right reasons. And I think you guys do too. Those are the kind of things that I remember. You know what I mean? I, I remember those things. I remember the fact that um, the Bulldog Burger Company did that. It matters to me. You know, Mike Leach, obviously, uh, you know, a friend to all of us. You know, not just a situation where, um, you know, I got a chance to know the guy. You guys did too. And he did some incredible things at Mississippi State. And he represented us with dignity and class. And so, very appreciative, our friends at Bulldog Burger Company. Three great locations to serve you. University Drive in Star Vegas, Gloucester Street there in Tupelo, uh, Lake Harbor Drive in the Rich and Flowood area. Appreciate all of you guys who turned out on Friday to see the Bonfire Orchestra in Tupelo. Uh, don't forget, uh, coming up later this week on the 6th from 5 to 8 at Bulldog Burger Company in Ridgewood, you're going to have the tap takeover with Chandelure Island Brewing Company. That's a Mississippi company. They'll be doing a growler giveaway. First place, 64 ounces. Second, third, 32 ounces. A lot of specials that night. The Love Bug Sour, the Guava Jelly Sour, the H90 Surfside Wheat. Also going to be a special new release of the new Key Lime Pie Sour. So if you like that sort of thing, turn out, enjoy that. Bulldog Burger Company in Ridgeland on September the 6th. That's a Wednesday. Be sure you turn out for that. Bulldog Burger Company, the place where people go to meet, M-E-A-T. All right, let's just jump right into it here. Let's just jump right into it here. Uh, Bulldogs in southeastern Louisiana get together. Second time in school history. Southeastern wins a toss. That's pretty much all they won the entire day. They defer. We go on offense first to open up the uh, Zach Arnett era at Davis Wade Stadium. We get the touchback. Go to work at our 25, and what do we do? The first thing we do is we run off left side with Jaquavius Marks for five. We come back and find Tulu for 13, then back to Tulu for three. That brings up a second and seven, but you're already thinking, you know what? It's pretty apparent that the fans saw the same thing the coaching staff did. Tulu Griffin, one of our most explosive playmakers, underutilized. So let's get him going, get him a couple touches early. Yeah, what do you know? He's got 16 yards on his first two touches and converts a big first down. 
On that second and seven play, we, uh, we run right with Woody, no gain there, and then uh, incomplete across to uh, Jordan Mosley. Jo- Jordan was there. Will just missed him. Had a little bit in his face there, but uh, kind of a disappointing drive to start. You know, you, you, you'd like to do better, but we didn't. And then uh, Keelan Cremings, his first punt, 35 yards inside the 20. To be honest with you, I expect a little bit more there too. All right, Southeastern takes over at their 19, and Harlan Dixon rush off left side for 14 yards. Guys, that kind of became a consistent theme of the day, running left. They had a lot of success running left. Uh, as a matter of fact, I ran the numbers up on this earlier, even though they had some losses, some runs for loss. Uh, running left side on the day, you got 88 yards. They didn't even run that collectively as a team because they got some losses in the backfield and, and some plays stacked up on the right side. But when they found success, it was on the left side. And I noted that in my play-by-play column. They found something on the left side. So that's something that everybody's going to see, right? So we've got to find some things to do to shore that up. It got better in the second half. But all that said, uh, they still had uh, three, four, three or four, four runs of uh, double-digit yards in the second half on that left side. And against, a couple of those are against that bandit defense. But, uh, you know, most offensive coordinators are right-handed, so you expect them to flow right. They found some success left side running off left tackle. We're going to see a lot better left tackles than we saw on Saturday. So that's something right out of the gate. Even in this 48-7 win, you look at it and say, you know what, that's a teachable moment for us. On that second first and 10, it's a short pass to uh, Bauer Sharp for 16 they snapped the ball, wild snap here. We had a chance to get on it. We don't. Uh, Zachary Claymaw jumps on it for the recovery, makes it second 19. They rush Dixon at the middle for six. And then it's a complete to uh, Harlan Dixon for eight, and he fumbles. Jet knocks it loose. We don't get on it. Guys, we forced four fumbles on the day, only recovered one. Got to do a better job there, too. So, again, some teachable moments. But two fumbles on the very first drive and uh, they get them both back. That's not good. And then if, if they take a delayed game penalty and end up punting, we uh, get it backed up at our 15. Bring in Mike Wright at quarterback, and uh, it's a quarterback keeper, runs for 16 yards. It's a nice element to the offense. It's uh, something that Will Rogers doesn't possess. I think these guys complement each other well. Mike Wright is nowhere in the league of Will Rogers as a passer. And Will's no longer, no, no, not anywhere close to Mike as a runner. So I, I like the fact that we're utilizing both of these weapons because we did not have that element in the offense, right? All right, we got a Woody for uh, four off the right side. Then we're incomplete to Harmon. They got a little pressure here. Uh, brings up second six. We uh, swing it out to Woody, who gets 10 yards and a first down. Woody, you know what kind of receiver he is out of the backfield. Uh, he's a complete back. He really is. First and 10, we run off left side for Woody for five. Uh, we're complete to uh, Woody Marks on an angle route here for 15 yards down to the uh, southeastern 35-yard line. We try to run that little nifty end-around play that we ran in the uh, spring game with such success. We actually tried to run it twice in this ball game. Both times we get nothing. Uh, this time we run left, two loose, stop for no gain. Second and 10, uh, we're complete to Jordan Mosley. Good to see him out there active early, 11 yards. First and 10 from the 24, we're incomplete to Freddie Roberson. Felt like that was a missed opportunity there. Second and 10, uh, we run Creed off the left side for four. We go back to him a little bit later. We'll discuss that. 
Uh, Will Rogers in sack, the one sack of the day. They overloaded and kind of basically lined up as a seven tack on both sides and kind of came after us. I don't know if that's on Will or on Cole, if we didn't read hot, if they just disguised it well or whatever. No matter what, Will was a sitting duck back there. Really no opportunity there. And because the pressure came to both sides, you couldn't roll out. It's kind of a duck deal. Duck down and just hope for the best. Uh, but then Kyle Ferry, the freshman, steps up and knocks it through from 47 yards. Yeah, and just in case you're wondering, that matches the second longest field goal of the season last year. Yeah, Ben Rabin hit one from 53 earlier in the year last year. But how about Kyle Ferry from Searcy, Arkansas, the true freshman walking up in there, his first collegiate kick, and he banks it straight through. State's up 3-0. We get the kickoff, and, uh, yeah, we get him pinned back here. You know, it's touchback here. And so it's first and 10 through 25. It's incomplete on first down, second 10, another incompletion. Uh, pick all in their face, man. Nathan Pickering credited with three tackles and three quarterback hurries and then also responsible for forcing a couple of pre-snap penalties because they were, you know, he was just eating their lunch. So they're trying to get a head start. And so he's impacting the game sometimes without actually filling up the box score. All right, third and 10, it's an, there's your false start right there, right? Um, and then third and 15, uh, Clements complete across the middle. Darius Lewis here. They ran a little bit of this um, slip screen wide receiver action here. They ran this play with some success a couple times. Uh, a little bit later in the ball game, we kind of sniffed it out what they were doing. But it was a nice wrinkle they did, and this one nearly went. Uh, maybe not for a touchdown, but even though it was 11 yards, could have been a more sizable game. Ends up being a fourth and four. And then uh, Austin Dunlap, who uh, does the rugby style punting and traditional style punting, a 56-yarder that rolls away. Uh, give the Southeastern punter a lot of credit. I thought he was their best player on the day. I, I joked in postgame, if he goes in the portal, he's going to get a nice NIL deal from somebody. All right, the final possession of the first quarter uh, belonged to Mississippi State. Uh, we started our 13. Will Rogers completed Justin Robinson for nine. There was some discussion about he may not play a whole lot. He did play a lot and was an impactful player in this game. Justin looks great out there running around. He really does. Second one, we give it to freshman Seth Davis up the middle for two. Davis, one of nine freshmen that made their Bulldog debut. And that's uh, of the true freshman variety. Second, first and ten, we go right side with Woody for five. Makes it a second five. We go back to Woody on a little bit of swing out pass there, just get a couple yards. Uh, Ian Goodley with the tackle had 15 tackles for southeastern Louisiana. How about that? Nice day for him. Third and three, we run off left side for Woody. He dives for the sticks here, and apparently on TV the yellow line was wrong because I tell you, watching it in real time from the press box, it was clear he was about a foot and a half short. And there were some people kind of groaning about it on Twitter. But, yeah, the line must have been off on television because he was short. Uh, Crimmins and gets a 40-yard punt. Again, we need a little bit better deal there. We, we do. Uh, and he'll get better. He's just a freshman too. But 27 yards and the fair catch for Darius Lewis. So that ends the first quarter. Uh, Three-nothing ball game, but a little bit of a disappointing quarter, I think most people would say. And, again, with a new system, a new play caller, a new way of doing things, there's going to be some growing pains. State kind of gets it going here in a second, though. Uh, it kind of helped by the short field here. Eli Sawyer completes a pass to Jacob Logan. State's in cloud coverage here through so playing the ball underneath. 
Logan makes the reception, and three Bulldogs converge. Uh, Buki Watson with the big lick and fumble recovery here. He forces it and then recovers the own fumble. So State is set up immediately with a first and 10 at their 36. We run up the middle for uh, three with Woody. We go back to Woody on an, just a great, great, great middle screen here and give Southeastern some credit. You may have missed this live. The defensive tackle there nearly got a hand on this thing and, and caused Woody to have to kind of readjust. Uh, but we get it, and next thing you know, it's 32 yards down the field. And I love the fact that we got some offensive linemen uh, looking for work downfield too, for sure. First and goal from the one, we give it to Woody. He's in for the touchdown. Ferry's kick is good. And then uh, Marlon Hawk kicks off. And uh, so a lot of this kickoff stuff, people are like, you know what, let's just kick it in the end zone. I'm a proponent of that too. But sometimes you got to work on some directional kicking. Uh, you got to work on some things, you know, with a real opponent. But Hawk has the ability to put the ball in the end zone. The thing that I've learned about that is if you kick it in the end zone, yes, they begin at the 25. However, they can't return the football, right? You kick it short of the goal line, you never know when somebody's going to slip and fall, leave a lane open. I get it. You'd love to be able to pin them back inside the 15. It just didn't work out that way very often. Okay, 10 at the ball game here. Southeastern takes over at their 21. And immediately it's a false start. They run right off the right side for no gain. Second and 15, you feel like, okay, we're in a good position here, right? <laughs> Second and 15, it's uh, incomplete. Pickering in their face. And another false start. Third and 20, you think, all right, we're good here. We're about to blow this thing open. We're fixing to get a punt. We'll get favorable field position. We'll make this a three-score game here real quick. That's not what happened. They run this, this wide receiver slip screen deal again. And again, play design is really good. The guy gets loose. We missed two tackles on the play. Both of those tackles would have uh, been short of the sticks, right? So it had been punting time. But instead, he gets loose. Harlan Dixon, who had a nice game for Southeastern, uh, 28 yards on a reception. It's now first and 10 from their 39. They're complete to Xavier Hill off the left side. They run up the middle. It's stacked up by Pickering and Trevion Williams, third and five. Complete to Darius Lewis, again, who makes a play out here for 12 yards. And right here you're thinking, okay, enough already. We're not going to let these guys go score, are we? Well, we do. First and 10, they run off left side again. Again, a consistent theme. Left side rushing there, 14 yards. When they had big gains on the ground, it was off the left side. First and 10 from the state 30. It's a completion to uh, Jalen Domino for six. Second and four, they run Dixon back up the middle for three. Brings up a very manageable third and one. They uh, try to swing it out to Dixon. It's no good, but on fourth down, they go for it. And why not? And they run that uh, basically end around off the left side for eight yards. And at this point, it just felt like it was inevitable they were going to score. Uh, first and 10, DeAndre Jackson runs for three. Second and seven, they're incomplete to Ivan Drabaki. What a name. I love it. He must break you. Uh, Pickering in the grill again. Third and seven. It's uh, complete to Deshaun Hewley for seven yards. Down to the state three. Brings up a first and goal situation. Rodeo Graham Jr., what a great name. wonder if they pronounce it Rodeo or Rodeo. I, I like it either way, but I think in this part of the country we're going to go with Rodeo. Uh, they get a, a yard up the middle, and then they go to Zachary Clement. Really a great play design here, too. 
they get Asaya Spurge. Basically, they run a little play-action thing, kind of a duck pass, right? He ducks in like he's going to go and try to sneak it because it is a quarterback sneak situation. Furge bites on that. <laughs> Next thing you know, Jacob Logan, he of the earlier fumble, kind of slips out there, a little bit of a flag route. Furge can't recover. You know, we just – we bought hard on that duck, and next thing you know, it's a touchdown. Teachable moment. Extra point is good. It's now 10-7, to 7, and the Natives and Starkville are a little bit restless. A little bit, oh, Steve, I wasn't expecting this. Let me remind you, I told you guys, don't be surprised if this wasn't the game midway through the second quarter. So well-coached Southeastern team against the Bulldog team trying to find a sense of itself a little bit. So it shouldn't have been a surprise. And as I said on the show – I expect State to win the game handily, but I did expect a tussle in the first half. That's exactly what we got. All right, first and 10 from our 25, we're complete to Creed Whittemore, who is uh, probably going to be in contention for the SEC Freshman of the Week honors. You will see if he gets it, but, uh, you know, big day for him in his debut. You should look for a, a nice feature early in the week, too, over jeanspage.com on Creed Whittemore, and not just based on his interview. You know, we, uh, Justin Frommer, who is absolutely killing the game since he has joined the staff, has a great feature coming up uh, with some people from Creed Whittemore's past to kind of give you a little more insight into uh, one of Mississippi State's most intriguing new faces. All right, so 14 yards there to Creed, and then first and 10. Marks at the middle for one. We go off the right side for Marks for four. Brings up a third and five. And uh, swing it out there to Creed Whittemore for the first down, nine yards. First and ten now across midfield at the southeast from 47. We go back to Creed, sliding play here, sliding catch. Uh, you know, Will did what he had to do there. Kind of a tough deal. But we get positive yardage out of it. Second and seven, we run Woody off left side for six. Then we're incomplete to Justin Robinson. We take the shot on third and one. I am perfectly okay with that play call. I know a lot of people are like, Why? You know, I think the issue is when you know that you can win on the line of scrimmage and you have the ability to convert that fourth and one, sometimes taking a shot on third and one is the way to go because of the fact everybody's thinking short yardage D. We take a shot, we miss him, and there was a little contact, but the ball was essentially overthrown there. But um, we bring in Jeffrey the Bull Pittman. My goodness, man. We give it to him, and uh, it's five yards, and he – there was no way he wasn't getting this yard. He's going to be your short yardage specialist, and I expect him to be a real weapon in the red zone. We convert that. Now it's first and ten. We're incomplete to Pittman. Kind of threw it behind him. A little bit of pressure there. And then we uh, hit Creed Whittemore. And I want to talk about this play a little bit. I saw some things on social media. And, and let me tell you this before we get started. I, I love all of you. And, and my job sometimes is to do my best to educate. Some of you guys educate me too. But I read that people are like, well, yeah, it was a bust. Guys, it wasn't a bust. We created the bad coverage because of play design, right? There are a lot of things out there you do to influence the safety. This is one of them, right? And so we kind of catch them with that crossing route that requires the safety to kind of bite. That's what his key tells him, right? That's who he has. Well, Whittemore was lined up on the opposite side of the field in the slot. We bring him behind the formation. He's not accounted for. 
in their pre-snap read on that side to secondary. You're not going to roll that coverage over there just because the guy's going in motion. Well, nobody picks him up, and the safety is basically in no man's land. He has to pick, which makes it kind of dealer's choice for Will Rogers. If the safety plays deep, then, then Will hits the crosser, which is going to be a first down in a sizable game. If the safety bites on the crosser, we're going to take the shot, and we do, and Creedwood Moore's wide open. So, no, it wasn't a bust. It was elite play design by Kevin Barbet and great execution by your Bulldog offense. We don't need everybody to mess up in order for us to have success. Sometimes we're just simply smarter than other people. Sometimes we get a win because we've out-schemed somebody, and that's the case on this play. Great execution, great design, and you get exactly the look you want, and as a result, you put a safety in conflict, and one guy can't cover two people. Great play design by Kevin Barbet. Extra points good. And uh, we kick it off, and this time, uh, you know, pin them there at 15. It's now a 17-7 game, and this is when the Bulldog defense really kind of began to exert themselves a little bit. They kind of woke up, right? Uh, and they weren't playing bad. You just had that one drive where you, you miss a couple tackles, and you miss tackles early in the year, unfortunately. That's part of it. They missed some tackles, too. Uh, sometimes they missed them because Woody Marks is just stronger than them. Jeffrey Pittman is just stronger than them. But first and 10, Sawyer is uh, complete to, to Jalen Domino for four. Uh, they're incomplete to Dixon, and the next thing you know, they try to go back to Ivan DeBrocki, and it's broken up by Boogie Watson. Great play there. And a 31-yard punt, uh, the worst of the day for Austin Dunlap, if memory serves me correct, out of bounds at our 40. Guys, we got 44 seconds, and with the 40, you're thinking a couple first downs, we got a chance here to put points on the board. That's exactly what happens. We'll complete to Jaden Wiley across the middle for four o'clock, running tick, 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 tick. We get up there, we'll complete to Antonio Harmon for 17 yards. As Dave Murray says, first reception from, from a tight end since 2019. Uh, first and 10 there from their 39. We're incomplete across the middle to uh, Jaden Wiley, Kayla Proctor in Will's face here. Second 10, we give it to Woody for six. We take a timeout, 14 seconds to go from the Southeastern 33. We're trying to run a little play here. Southeastern kind of figures it out. Will tucks it and kind of ducks ahead for two yards. We call that timeout now with three seconds to go and uh, bring Kyle Ferry out to attempt a field goal. And, um, excuse me, we were going to wind it down. Southeastern calls a timeout to ice the kid. And what does he do? He bangs a 49-yarder through that probably was good from 55. Absolutely great job by uh, Hayes Hammond and Andrew Osteen out there and uh, certainly Kyle Ferry. Kyle Thunderfoot Ferry is how we shall know him going forward. Absolutely outstanding. Absolutely outstanding job by the freshman. And that was the thing. you get When you guys heard a freshman was starting, you were thinking, oh, goodness, what does this mean? Why are so many dogs suffering from health issues? Actress Katherine Heigl, who's helped save over 16,000 dogs through her personal foundation, says they're seeing more issues than ever with dogs' joints, odors, and their health than ever before. After doing a ton of research, she feels there's one place we can all look to improve our dog's health, their food. What she's discovered is that many dog foods are made in a way they can actually create toxins that could possibly be wrecking our dog's health. And that's true for many of the premium brands as well. Fortunately, she's found that just by adding a few special superfoods to her dog's food, she saw huge transformations in their health. 
She's made a 20-minute video explaining step-by-step how any of us can do the same thing to see incredible changes in their dog's health. I've got five dogs. I do. I love them. I spend most of my time with them. In fact, Mojo, my mama blue healer, has helped me write six and a half books now. I want her to be as healthy and happy as possible. So if you feel like you do about your dogs the same way I do, let me encourage you to go to badlandsfood.com forward slash boneyard and watch Catherine's video right now. And again, that's badlandsfood.com forward slash boneyard. Be sure and check it out and make sure your pet is happier and healthier than ever. All right, Bulldog fans, our friends from Tecovis want to remind you that uh, it's festival season, it's concert season, it's sundress season. Yes, it is. And you know you need some nice boots to go along with every bit of that. And Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western wear. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and so much more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a very time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comforts. So no break-in period. You know how tough that can be with a brand new pair of boots. You can put these bad boys on and ride that ride with a smile. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with the same level of style. So stop by your local Tecovis store, have a complimentary beverage or two, shop the new styles, the smell of fresh leather, and a friendly staff are always at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience quite like it. If you can't make it to a store, visit Tecovas. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S dot com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges shipped right to your door. Go to Tecovas dot com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. Let's face it, friends. We live in uncertain times. Security, probably more important now than ever before. That's why it's important to keep you, your family, your property safe by working with my friends at Eufy. That's E-U-F-Y dot com. Let me tell you a little bit about this new video smart lock they have. It's super cool because basically you get a three-in-one security system here. You can have everything on just one device instead of having it outside of your house look rather tacky because you got all kinds of stuff out there. It's not just about your security, but convenience. No more concerns about losing keys. You can assign passwords to your family members, and you can see who's kind of coming and going. you got that immigrated camera, too. Uh, it's easy to install. You can set it up with just a Phillips screwdriver. You know, you don't have to go to a class on how to use power tools. No drilling required. You get keyless entry. You don't have to worry about fumbling with the keys when you're getting back with a, an armful of groceries, right? How convenient is that? That in and of itself is a great benefit. you got fingerprint recognition. It's unlocking, got that AI self-learning chip. So the more you use it, the more accurate it's going to be. You don't have to worry about the battery. It's got a rechargeable battery that can last around four months. And you get a notification before it runs out, so you don't have to compromise your family security. You got passcode unlocking, remote control, 2K clear sight camera. You can see who's at your door. You see these videos online all the time. Don't you think it's time for you to set something up so you can have the peace of mind of knowing that you don't have people constantly going in and out of your property? There's no monthly fee. Unlike other brands that charge you a monthly fee, you can have your recordings locally and never have to pay for storage. How cool is that? It's convenient. It's safe. It's a must-have for your home today. If you already have like a video doorbell, you know sometimes people want to come and steal your 
your doorbell. You don't have to worry about with that with this. All right, so let's be sure to visit Eufy Video Lock. That's E-U-F-Y official.com forward slash video lock. And it's time for you to gain control of your door. Again, that's Eufy. E-U-F-Y. Well, it meant good news for the Bulldogs. All right, let's jump in our second half here. State kicks off here, 26-yard return, and our only penalty of the day is Zakari Tillman, just kind of a hustle play here, just kid just trying to make a play, and it ends up being an inadvertent face mask. 15 yards, advances ball out to the southeastern 41. The only flag against Mississippi State the entire day. Now, what I'll tell you about that is what that tells me is that we're well coached. That tells me we're willing to take coaching. You know how many games last year that we had one or fewer penalties? Zero. I've done the math. We had one game against uh, East Tennessee. We had two penalties. There were three other games we had three penalties. Everything else more than that. We have one. In Zach Arnett's regular season debut, you get one penalty. And, again, that's not a discipline penalty. That's an aggressiveness penalty. You can live with those. It's unfortunate. But it's not a discipline issue. It's not an execution issue. It's an effort deal. He's efforting, trying to make a play, and it's happened to get his hand in the wrong place. A near-perfect game in many respects when it comes to that, when it comes to infractions. Outstanding effort from the Bulldogs. All right, first and 10 from their 41. Doesn't matter. Incomplete left, or excuse me, complete left at Dixon for three. Incomplete across the middle. Uh, and then a sack, big sack here. Bookie Watson just burst through there. And, man, what a great, great day for Bookie Watson. Eight tackles on the day to lead the Bulldogs. Had the sack and a half, the forced fumble, the fumble recovery, a breakup, quarterback hurry. Probably could have sold some popcorn. Outstanding effort from Bookie Watson. And, man, how privileged are we to have that guy back another year? Austin Dunlap, one of his better punts of the day, 53-yarder, nearly outkicked his coverage here. Uh, while he gets loose for 12 and then fumbles it, but um, – DeCarlos Nicholson gets back on it, so State has the ball at our 26. All right, we take over here, and then it's uh, we run Woody at the middle for three. Swing it out to Robinson for nine to convert the first down. Woody back on the left side for four. We're complete to Jacoby Belazar. Basically a little puff pass here, you know, basically a run, but it counts as a pass because the uh, the pitch went forward. But, man, is Jacoby Belazar fast or what? <laughs> Can you just not wait to see him on the field more regularly? 13 yards for him. And then we're incomplete to Woody. Josh Randall in Will's face here a little bit. Uh, second and 10, Mike Wright in at quarterback. Uh, Mike rushes for six yards to the uh, southeastern 39. Makes a third and four, and we just give it to Woody, and Woody just gashes for 10 here. First down, we try again, try to run that little end-around play, the little gadget play to Tulu to the left, and they get us for a two-yard loss. So we've got to do you – know, obviously, they've studied the spring game film, as they should, and uh, clearly we're kind of tipping that with something we're doing formationally. Second and 12, we're incomplete to Jaden Wiley. Again, we'll rush a little bit here. Uh, third and 12, we're complete to Justin Robinson for eight. We decided to go for it on fourth and four. Uh, Zach Arnett said in hindsight we should have kicked field goal here. And, and that's probably right. But sometimes the emotions of the game kind of get to you. You're thinking, hey, if we can convert this and get in the end zone, we're putting, we're putting the game away, right? 
didn't work out for us. Uh, we're incomplete to Antonio Harmon. Good to see him involved, though. It really is. The guy's really talented. They take over first and 10 if they're 23, and it's Rodeo Graham. That's what we're going with. I guess we, didn't we say Rodeo? We did the Rodeo. Runs off left side for four. Complete to uh, Bayer Sharp for four. Brings up a third and two. And then there's Harlan Dixon running left for 11 yards. We talked about it. That's something to watch as we get in Arizona. Left, left, left. First and 10. Rodeo runs for four. Uh, second and eight, they're incomplete. And then third and eight, it's a nice big sack there from uh, Boogie Watson, Jaden Crumity. Fourth and 13, they punt inside the state 20 at the 18-yard line. This is the knockout punch that uh, Zach Arnett was looking for on the previous drive. We run Seth Davis, the freshman left side. Mike Wright uh, runs for 11 off the right, and then Mike gets loose again, 53 yards down to the southeastern 14-yard line. We bring in Jeffrey Pittman, and I thought he was going to carry the entire southeastern Louisiana Lion roster into the end zone with him. It's first and 10 from our 14. They make contact basically two steps beyond the line of scrimmage. And Jeff just drags them. And there's like three guys trying to bring him down. I mean, it's like it's like a bunch of kids trying to tackle their dad in a, in a front yard football game. It's ridiculous. Nine yards on the game down to the five. Nuts. They call timeout here. Second one, we go back to Pittman. This time he gets nothing. Third one. Next thing you know, we've got a, another good play design here. Jaden Wally just kind of flashing there across the backside. They're not going to win that foot race. It's not going to happen. So we get it to Wally, and, uh, of course, he wins the race to the pylon. Extra point is good. It's 27-7. to 7. At this point, the game is over. It's just a matter of what the final score is going to be. Final drive of the uh, third quarter. It's rather interesting here. Jet Johnson last year got one sack on the year. Well, he's already matched that through one game this year. And uh, forces a fumble, and they get back on it. That's, the uh, again, another fumble, the fourth fumble of the day. Uh, again, we force four. We only got one. That's got to get better. Incomplete on the second and incomplete. Uh, they completed on third for three to Harlan Dixon. And they let the clock run out here and decide, okay, we're going to punt. We're going to punt to uh, open the fourth quarter. And John Lewis, a kid that has really, really hustled, really, really hustled, and I'm expecting big things from him this year. John gets in there, gets the hands up, blocks the punt, Avery Sledge, snags it from the air, and he's in former high school quarterback from FCAHS, Brooklyn, Mississippi, runs it in for the touchdown, his first collegiate touchdown. May not be his last one. Kid's a heck of an athlete. 11 yards for the score. Extra point is good. It's 34-7, to and now we're working on this margin a little bit, right? Southeastern uh, gets the ball uh, 25 yards on a return to the 25. They run off right side for five, run left for one, brings up a third and four, and then get nothing. DeMonte Russell with the big stick there, and then a 54-yard punt from Austin Dunlap. Could you imagine? Honestly, honest to goodness, if this kid just has an average day, we're probably scoring in the 50s. This kid changed the game in many respects because we had to earn it. I mean, we only had the one bad punt and, of course, the one we blocked. But uh, when this guy was able to get it off, he was able to flip the field. I mean, go back and look at our average starting position and see how many times we started inside the 25 because of this kid. Great effort. 
First and 10 from our 15, uh, we give it to Woody. I thought he was going to go here, 37 yards, and then uh, run out of bounds there. Career day for Woody Marks. Really, really happy for him. Woody then goes after the 37-yard game. We go right back to him, go off the left side for two. We get it to Tulu for five, and then Woody, again, a gasher of a play here, 23 yards. He's getting it done all the way, all the way around here. Yeah, so, again, Woody, a career day for him. On that next first and 10, we're complete to Tulu for 12. And this is after some people at TV, I think, had said he was a little bit banged up. He did come back. Uh, he has been a little bit beat up at the back end of camp. We expect him to be fine. And then we run off left side to Woody for touchdown. And uh, extra points, good. It's now 41-7. to uh, Marlon Hawk, kickoff to the goal line. They return 20 yards. Zakari Tillman uh, with the tackle there. Talked about how Southeastern just didn't do much in the second half. That continues here. Again, this, the game is over, really. First and 10 from their 20. Dixon runs off right side for three. They're incomplete to Corio Lorio. Corey Lorio, excuse me. Uh, and then runs off right side on third and seven. J.P. Purvis, Trevion Williams with tackles. And then Austin Dunlap with another 50-plus yard punt. It's ridiculous, man. What a great job. Jaden Wally returns it for three yards. State set up shop at our own 28. We give it to Simeon Price, who runs off left side for six. Mike Wright then runs left for nine. Uh, Kevon Lee with his first carry as a Bulldog gets four, four yards. And then we run off right side with Creed Rittimore here. Again, great play design. Needed to get a downfield block. He gets one. It springs him for the score. You're not going to catch Creed Whittemore from behind in the open field. Just not going to happen. Extra point is good. Makes it 48-7. Uh, nice kickoff here from Marlon Hawk, too. And uh, we pin him inside the 20. John Lewis and Bryce Pollock with a nice tackle. I thought our coverage units played well. Final drive of the game for Southeastern, their most productive. And, again, that's mostly against Bulldog reserves out there on defense. Uh, Rodeo Graham runs left side for 12. Then Graham for four off the left side. Brings up a second and six. Incomplete pass to Darius Lewis. Deontay Anderson gets a hand up there and bats it down. Good to see him getting some reps. Third and six. Bauer Sharp runs left, 13 yards. Not going to say it again. You know by now. First and 10 up the middle. Uh, Cyrus Zool for two. And then they back to Zool for four more. Brings up a third and four. And it's complete to Darius Lewis. Nice tackle on the play here. Nick Mitchell and Chris Keyes to force a fourth and two. And uh, false start. Another false start. Brennan uh, Lanklow had... Uh, I think three of their false start penalties. They call a timeout here and then uh, decide to go for it. They swing it out to Graham, who gets five yards and uh, stops short of the sticks. And then from there, Mike Wright takes a couple nil downs. It's over. Those go as team rushes. And because they count as rushes, instead of us running for 300 yards, we ran for 298, which uh, leads the Southeastern Conference. Uh, interestingly enough, uh, Will Rogers took zero snaps under center. It's interesting. We have done our best to dispel the notion and the misinformation about the Bar Bay offense, but it's clear people aren't paying attention, right? Because even Tim Tebow on the SEC Network before the game said, Will Rogers is going to be under center. He was not. That was never the plan. So we'll just keep doing what we do. Quick look inside the numbers here. 
before we get to today's uh, top 10 list. All right, Will Rogers, 20 of 29 for 227 yards, a couple touchdowns, also passes. Danny Werfel moves into seventh place all time in SEC passing. And Danny Werfel, of course, a former Heisman winner. Sacked just the one time, and again, that was just a jailbreak deal and uh, really wasn't on Will. It wasn't like he held the football too long. It just they, could, they dialed up a good play, and we, our, our protection wasn't sound. Jaquarius Marks, Woody Marks, 127. Career high yards for him. Another interesting note here, uh, 19 carries, zero rushes for loss. They got runs with a forward lane. He did have uh, one or two, I guess, for no gain, but no losses. And that says a little something about your offensive line, too. Uh, Will Rogers had the one sack you know, for uh, – Nine yards, or excuse me, 11 yards, I guess it was. And so we have 13 yards loss rushing the entire day. Two of those are on those kneel downs, and then two more of them are on the Tulu end around to the left side that they snuffed out. So you start working through this. Basically, we had one real rush for loss on 39 attempts. Technically 37, I guess, when you factor in the kneel down. So 37 rushes, and you have one of those go for a loss. If that doesn't say a lot about the fact that we've kind of embraced this scheme, I don't know what does. I don't. So uh, receiving-wise, again, uh, Woody leads us with 4 for 59, ties with Creed Whittemore also 4 of 59, and uh, the one touchdown for him. Tulu 4 of 33, Justin Robinson 3 of 26. Antonio Harmon brings one down for 17 yards. Jacoby Belazar, one for 13. Jordan Mosley, one of 11. Jaden Wiley, two for nine. So to kind of do it by committee here, uh, a lot of guys played. A lot of guys were in the pass pattern, and most of those guys very productive. Uh, defensive numbers for you. Mentioned that Bilky Watson led us with eight. DeMonte Russell, a quiet seven tackles. You don't hear people really talking about the game DeMonte had, but seven tackles for him. Uh, Jet with six, also credited with that sack and two forced fumbles. DeCamryon, five tackles for him. Trevion Williams, four tackles in a reserve role. Nick Mitchell, also four, mostly in the second half there. Asias Verge with three. Sean Preston with three. Nathan Pickering with three, also credited with three quarterback hurries. J.P. Purvis with three. Calvin Dinkins with three. Another reserve defensive lineman uh, making some plays. Deshaun Page with a couple tackles. I thought he struggled a little bit over there. Look, he's playing a little bit out of position. We'll see how things develop, but uh, – you know, good to see some fresh faces. Hunter Washington, I thought, played well at times. Had a Not credited with a pass breakup, but he flashed in front of a receiver one time and uh, forced an incompletion. Again, didn't get to touch football, uh, but nevertheless uh, it impacted the play, shall we say. Uh, but there you go. That's your ball game. State wins. And, again, some things to feel good about and some things that can be corrected. Again, one, we're one tackle away from this thing being uh, a shutout of a ball game. You know, anytime you win by 41 points, it's difficult to find some things to just kind of parse through and say these things are negative. But uh, there were some things you look at and say, you know what, hey, we've got to be better here. I want to mention this uh, Austin Dunlap kid, too. Seven punts on the day. Averaged 46.3 and a long of 56. Four of those inside the 20 and four 50 yards or more. Outstanding effort. I don't know where they found this kid, but uh, a really good job. State only punts. 
twice on the day. Keelan Crimmins, two for 75, averaging 37 and a half, one of those inside the 20. And again, we need a little more depth there uh, on those punts. You don't want to outkick the coverage, but the reality of it is, is we got to do better than 37 and a half. We do. Uh, but that's how it breaks down. And uh, again, good win for State, but also some things you look at and say, you know what, hey, don't get too uh, big for your britches here. You got to figure some things out, guys. So congratulations to the Bulldog fans all over the world celebrating a 1-0 start. All right, time for today's top 10 list. As always, brought to you by CloseWithBlair.com. That's C-L-O-S-E with Blair, B-L-A-I-R.com. Blair is your friend in the mortgage industry, a friend to those in need, whether you're looking to uh, get a mortgage for the first time or perhaps uh, you're relocating and, it's, you know, it's like, hey, Steve, there's a lot to this, man. I'm, I'm over my head here trying to figure this thing out, man. I'm getting transferred, whatever. Maybe you're going through some type of life change. Remove one big item from your list of worries by entrusting your mortgage needs to Blair Chandler. Give him a call today at 601-500-2344. Again, that's 601-500-2344. You know, I like keeping the business within the family whenever I can. Blair is a season ticket holder to Mississippi State sporting events in multiple sports. Saw him and his lovely family uh, on Saturday on their way to the uh, Davis Wade Stadium. Yeah. Didn't have time to visit much. Had to go meet with some other Boneyard listeners, and uh, you know how it goes. I mean, you know, game day is a, is a day to get to see your friends. I didn't get enough time to spend with Blair and uh, his family, but nevertheless, you can reach out to Blair. He can help you navigate through the difficult process that is uh, the mortgage loan origination process. Of course, uh, works for Fairway Mortgage, a very reputable lender. Recently voted number one in customer satisfaction. Blair's been doing this 22 years, kids. Now, you could go a lot of different directions here, but it's best to stick with some experience. I got to get things done. Top 1% close ratio in the country. Back to back to back years. Yeah. So if, if you're serious about closing on a loan, you need to close with Blair at closewithblair.com. All right. <clears throat> we picked up a dub over the weekend. So we're going to do, in honor of the dub, we're going to do some rock songs that begin with the letter W. This is not Sesame Street or Electric Company or Romper Room or Captain Kangaroo or any of that. But we're going to honor the dub with a dub list. Top rock songs that begin with the letter W. Now, you won't hear Wasted Time from Skid Row. That just missed. You won't hear We Are the Champions from Queen because we hadn't won anything yet. But you will hear some classic rock songs here. There's also some modern stuff here. Kind of an eclectic list, to be quite honest with you. I don't know if some of these artists have ever been on the same list together. But here we go. Number 10, one of my favorite Iron Maiden songs of all time. Not just because of that incredible guitar intro that also doubles as a little bit of a solo later in the song. But uh, this is the first Iron Maiden album that I bought somewhere in time. I was a little bit reluctant. Maybe the album art scared me. I don't know. You know, I was just a kid. But I bought Somewhere in Time and immediately fell in love with Iron Maiden. And then I went back and I bought Peace of Mind and I bought Power Slave and I bought Killers. As a matter of fact, I have an Iron Maiden Killers tattoo. 
Maybe you didn't know that. Maybe you thought I was like some delicate flower or something, right? You know, they got only listen to the rock radio stuff. Well, you're wrong. Love Iron Maiden. And uh, so we're going Wasted Years number 10. Wasted Years from Iron Maiden is your number 10 W song today. Number nine, this could probably be, you could make an argument, it should be higher on the list because of how people responded to this song. One of the things that's always kind of bothered me about this, even though I love the song, is John Bon Jovi is from New Jersey. And so we sing about being cowboys, and, you know, we did a Young Guns 2 soundtrack, which is fabulous. I, anytime that Young Guns or Young Guns 2 is on, like if I, like if I happen to catch Young Guns on, because usually they run them back-to-back, I'm gonna, I'm, it doesn't matter what time of night it is, I'm going to watch them both. I am. Absolutely am. And uh, John has a cameo in Young Guns 2 in the beginning, you know, when they, uh, they're bringing Doc Scarlock and they're bringing Chavez out of the, the muck, out of the pit, and getting them away from the angry mob, John Bon Jovi is one of the people involved uh, in that deal. Maybe you didn't know that, I'll trivia for you. But we're going to go with Wanted Dead or Alive. You know, he talks about, I'm a cowboy on a steel horse I ride. I'm wanted. Wanted, as Richie Sambora so eloquently sang, Dead or Alive. That's number nine. But John, you're from New Jersey, okay? You're not a cowboy. Love you to death, not a cowboy. Number eight. We kind of mentioned a song the other day, kind of in passing, and the original recording of this was really good. It was, but it got new life in my generation, really, when um, Run DMC collaborated with Aerosmith at the urging of super producer Rick Rubin to re-record Walk This Way. And I remember reading an interview uh, with Run and Jim Master Jay, God rest his soul, they were talking about they were being pitched on this. And you're like, hey, we got to make it B-Boy. And they said, hey, it already is. <laughs> it's already written like a rap song. And it was an incredible, incredible, incredible collaboration. But we're going to go with our original today, Aerosmith's Walk This Way, number eight. Number seven, speaking of walking. No, we're not walking in Memphis with Mark Cohn. No, we're not. We're going back a few years. You remember many of you heard this song at Davis Wade Stadium. Every time we needed a big defensive stop, we played it. It's Pantera's Walk. Love Pantera. Most people don't know this. Before Dimebag Daryl was Dimebag Daryl, he was Diamond Daryl. Yeah, Diamond Daryl Abbott because Pantera was a bit of a glam band until Phil Anselmo joined the band as a vocalist. And then things changed, and Pantera became one of the most innovative rock bands of this generation. Absolutely love this song. Love the attitude behind it. Phil has been in some trouble. Uh, Phil's gotten drunk, done some stupid things on stage. Uh, but we've lost the Abbott brothers, Vinny and, uh, and Daryl both, in tragic fashion. And uh, last time I was in Fort Worth, I told Dana, I said, hey, I want to go by and I want to pay my respects to them. I, I don't know why that stuff matters to me, but it does. And, uh, w- you know, we just didn't have time to do it. You know, with all those things we had on our schedule, just weren't able to go do it. So next time I'm in Dallas, Fort Worth area, I'm going to make a point to go do that. Because uh, it does, it does matter to me. But uh, walk is number seven, so walk on home, boy. Number six. Could have gone a lot of different directions here. I almost slipped in White Lion here, almost. But I thought, how would I put White Lion ahead of Iron Maiden, Bon Jovi, Aerosmith, and Pantera? So I didn't. I thought, we had, we got to keep rocking, man. You can't just throw Pantera in the mix and then come back with kind of some powder metal of the 80s. You can't do it. So we're going with Slipknot here, the fabulous Corey Taylor. It's Wait and Bleed. 
You knew you knew the punchline before. I mean, all of you that are Slipknot fans, you knew where I was going with this. Wait and bleed, and that really fits. You know, winning on the football field. There we go. Wait and bleed. Number five. My wife told me years and years and years ago that she felt this was probably uh, the greatest love song of our generation. I, I don't know that it's the greatest, but it's probably in the top five. And she said, I don't know a woman in the world that wouldn't want to hear this song and know that her husband or significant other sees her in this way. It's beautiful. Uh, and it's Eric Clapton's Wonderful Tonight. And it is an incredible song, and it's not just because of that amazing gar- uh, guitar tone. It is a beautiful, beautiful song about being in love with somebody else. And uh, you look wonderful tonight. I mean, that's what, you know, that's, that's the thing, too. There's so much that, oh, you look hot. And I don't know, maybe some people want to be told that. I tell my wife sometimes, you know, you're hot, you know. Um, but she's a beautiful woman. And I, I know this. You know, Dana's the kind of person, too, that uh, she's probably most comfortable, you know, in a T-shirt, flip-flops, and some leggings, right? And she looks great in that, too. But when my wife dolls up, uh, nobody dolls up better than her. And there are some of those moments you just kind of, you know, they kind of take your breath away. You know, when you're in love with somebody, they really make the effort to look nice for you for a special event. And uh, that's when you say, you look wonderful tonight. Number four, I got a friend of mine that's going to love the fact that this is on here. He probably said, I bet he's not going to put the Beatles on here. Well, you're wrong. It's not the walrus song, though. It's not. I am the walrus. It's not that. It's We Can Work It Out. One of my favorite Beatles songs. I know many young people today are kind of getting into the Beatles uh, and to be honest with you, a lot of your parents really weren't into the Beatles. There was a lot of backlash about all of that late 60s, early 70s type music in my generation. It's like, oh, we're, we're kind of beyond that. You know, even though those bands heavily influenced the bands that we all love. But there was all this angst. And that's the case, too. It's like a lot of people uh, younger than me, of course, uh, you know, they got tired of all that, you know, the VO5 hairspray and that sort of stuff. And you're like, oh, I don't want anything to do with the 80s metal. And then, you know, so we have to go do all this weird stuff. And uh, now all of a sudden it's like Motley Crue's about to release a new album. Def Leppard's released a new album. These guys are selling out stadiums over the world. And it's like, well, yeah, okay, we were wrong. But uh, we can work it out from the Beatles. Uh, it's cool, too. And if you've never watched the movie Yesterday... Even though it's completely fictitious, it really celebrates the music of the Beatles. I'd encourage you to check that out. So next time you're looking for something cool to watch on Netflix, watch Yesterday. And there's some really good uh, documentaries out there. I remember uh, Above Us Only Sky, if it's still available on Netflix, it's certainly worth your time. You know, it's about you know, the record, writing and recording of the song Imagine and a few other things. It's uh, pretty special. It really is. Actual live footage, actual, not live footage, but actual recorded footage of uh, John Lennon writing Imagine, which is one of the greatest songs of my lifetime. Number three, and you could say, Steve, how could you put this band above the Beatles? Well, it's because I like them better than the Beatles. Had a chance to speak to Jesse Heisek multiple times. Um, he's a guy I'd love to hang out with more. He's the lead singer of the band 10 years, not 10 years after, 10 years out of Knoxville, Tennessee. Uh, Dana and I have seen them, I don't know, maybe a half dozen times. Just about every time I've had a chance to visit with him afterwards. Uh, super guy, used to wear dreads, doesn't anymore. He did in this particular video, and I asked him one day at Rocklahoma, thanks, Mark, um, hey, why did you cut your dreads? He said, well, this is so much easier to deal with, and I agree with that, but I think it's certainly worth the effort. But it's a great song and really the first breakthrough single uh, for this great, great band, one of my favorite modern rock bands, 10 years, a song called Wasteland, and uh, it's about his cousin, 
who played Mark Sway in the great movie The Client with Susan Sarandon, who we love. And uh, that's what it's about. It's kind of a cryptic song about him, and he's a guy that ultimately killed himself. But uh, especially the line he talks about, and again, Jesse and I spoke about that, is about self-inflicted his perdition, yeah, which is incredible, right? And so it's, it's kind of dramatic poetry in many respects. But uh, I love this song. If I was to ever cover a 10-year song, it would be Wasteland. Number two, though. A song that I heard for the first time when uh, I worked for Hollygmeyer's Furniture. It's like, you know, we put on the, uh, I don't even know what we called it back then. But, um, you know, it was like we didn't have music. It was satellite radio, but it wasn't satellite radio. It's like through direct TV. Uh, so, you know, we had, you could you know, pick a, a channel and put it on, play it to the PA at night when everybody's working and clean it up. And I heard this song and I was like, that sounds like Oasis. That is Oasis. Why have I never heard this? It was a brand new single. Uh, of course, I had the uh, the great album, uh, What's the Story, Morning Glory, and then Wonderwall. And it's just one of those songs that's just timeless in my estimation. Another great documentary, the Oasis documentary, if you've never watched it, it's worth your time. But uh, Wonderwall, I don't, I don't even know what it's really about, you know, but it's really when you begin to break down the lyrics, you know, about, you know, maybe you're going to be the one that saves me. You know, there is so much of that in relationships and friendships and things like that. We are not an island, I believe, as Henry David Thoreau wrote. I believe I got that, that citation correct. Uh, but Oasis, an incredible band that uh, really kind of flamed out quickly when it was all said and done. But uh, they were a worldwide phenomenon, for sure. And Wonderwall, probably the quintessential Oasis song. So it deserves a spot on our list. Number two. All right, the number one song, and uh, I mentioned him earlier because you know I'm a big Motley fan, and uh, it's going to be Wild Side from Motley. It's, that means so much to me. That's my license plate, in case you didn't know. Uh, I don't want your key in my car or anything. But if you ever see this ruby red Mustang out there rolling along the great state of Mississippi, and you see Wild Side on the license plate, you'll know that it's me. Now, sometimes... And this will sound like first world problems. People will like pull up next to me on the interstate and like want to wave. We're both going, you know, in excess of the posted speed limit. That's not the best time to say hello. I mean, maybe just kind of stick your hand out the window as you pass me, which is rare. Uh, but nevertheless, that's me. I love the song Wild Side. I can play most of this on guitar. I play it poorly, but I can still play it. And uh, I love it. It was one of those things, too. When I first saw that, that was in the Girls, Girls, Girls album, I thought it was going to be a cover of the Lou Reed song. It's not, even though it's a little bit of a take on that. You'll take a ride on the wild side. They change it, of course. Uh, some incredible lyrics in that album, too, and especially in that particular song. And the thing about the Girls album, it was one of those things that kind of, kind of bummed me out a little bit is it brought a lot of the preps in to the Motley Crue fan base because I had been with them from the beginning. I had been with them, with them from, you know, Livewire and Merry Go Round and, and Take Me to the Top. I'd been around. I was there through Shout at the Devil. I was around and when Vince Neal, we thought Vince was going to prison for the drunk driving accident that killed Razzle Dingley and injured two other people. I was a loyal subject of King Crew. And so we get Theater of Pain out, which is kind of just an average album, right? And think, okay, all right, now everybody's good. It was a little bit disjointed. And then Girls comes out, and uh, of course, that was in the heyday of MTV when if you weren't on MTV, you weren't playing music. And uh, the next thing you know, uh, the Girls, Girls, Girls video, which is phenomenal. I'm just going to say it for what it is. It's phenomenal. Became anthemic for my generation. 
it's still one of those songs that holds up all these years later. Looking forward to new Motley material, but we'll close today's top 10 list with Motley's Wild Side. If you have ideas for the top 10 list, reach out, let us know. You can find me on all forms of social media at Scout Steve R. You can find Roy. That's right, the great Roy Samanti. Saw Roy on, on uh, Saturday, him and his lovely daughter Elsa and friends. Uh, it's always good to have a chance. That's the, that's the thing about Mississippi State sporting events. There are some friends you only get a chance to see when everybody's coming to see the Bulldogs play. And so it's nice to see Roy. You can find Roy on Twitter at Dogmatic67. That's D-A-W-G-M-A-T-I-C-6-7. That signifies his birth year because he's older than me. And uh, he's also on Spotify on that same handle. So you can subscribe there and get our great list, kind of auto-populated, uh, to your Spotify app. And uh, thank you so much for your support of the top 10 list, low these many years. All right, final segment of the show brought to you by Campus Bookmark. And uh, they were rocking this weekend. A lot of people come back to town for the first time in a long time, wanted to buy at a Stark Villigan institution, and thank you for that. If you can't make it to town for game day, or maybe you went hunting instead of coming to support the Bulldogs, next time you're in town, go by and check them out, or visit them on the World Wide Web at campusbookmart.net. And by being a loyal Boneyard listener, we'll give you a phrase that pays. That is BSR, which stands for Beautiful Steve Robertson. That gets you free shipping on all orders over 75 bucks. Any order less than 75 bones, absolutely incomplete. All right, let's take a look around the Southeastern Conference, shall we? The weekend went pretty much to script. I think we would all say it, it, it doesn't take, uh, you know, that, that didn't take an insider to kind of figure this weekend out. I mean, there were a lot of lopsided games because there were a lot of games that weren't good matchups. And there really wasn't any games you look at this week and say, hey, that was a bit of a surprise. Not at all. Uh, of course, we opened up, you know, earlier in the week with uh, Hawaii and Vanderbilt. Vandy wins that game. And, of course, Utah beats Florida 24-11. Scott Strickland's got a mess on his hands. I'm afraid. I really do. And Billy Napier, and uh, we talk about him a lot over at jeanspage.com. We do. I really thought Billy Napier would have been a great fit for Mississippi State because – I think our recruiting footprint lends itself to the offensive system he wants to run. we got a lot of quarterbacks in our state, in our border states, that uh, are really kind of spread option type quarterbacks. We could have done that. That's not to say there's not a lot of good spread option quarterbacks in the state of Florida or in their recruiting front. They do recruit somewhat nationally. But I just don't know that Billy Napier, despite his time at Alabama, it's really capable of getting out there going head-to-head with Nick Saban and Kirby Smart to be able to recruit at that level. I thought Billy could come in here and maybe be the next Dan Mullen. And a lot of Bulldog fans say, oh, you know, you name your guys. I still think Billy would have been a good fit for us. He was not interested in our job. He wasn't interested in Ole Miss. He wasn't interested in Arkansas. He really wanted to go to South Carolina. He didn't get the gig. And it works out well for him because he has a very lucrative contract at Florida with a pretty hefty golden parachute attached to it. So should they decide to fire him, they're going to have to pay him rather significantly. All right, and, uh, of course, the, the, the back end of that, that Thursday night deal was um, – excuse me, uh, yeah, it was Missouri and South Dakota. So Missouri wins handily 35-10. All right, we get into Saturday's games, and Tennessee and Virginia – again, we all kind of felt like this. Virginia's picked in the bottom half of the ACC – no matter where that game was played, you could have played it in Charlottesville. It wouldn't have mattered. Tennessee, Josh Heupel really has things going. And I go back to this whole thing with Josh. 
There were so many people that told me Tennessee settled for Josh Heupel. I said, Tennessee, because of the NCAA issues, they're not going to be able to get anybody worth their salt, so they go get Josh Heupel. And they said, you know, Josh had some baggage and that sort of stuff. And so it's a, you know, Tennessee's just kind of getting the guy to kind of navigate through this difficult chapter in their football history. And then they'll go out and get a big-time coach. Well, it turns out they already have a big-time coach. And, uh, of course, Josh and those guys, big, big year last year. Uh, I went away from getting in the playoff. You know, upset later in the year. Shouldn't have happened. Um, but 49-13 winners. And uh, Joe Milton, good ball game for him. Shouldn't be surprised, though. Uh, really, really a good game for Tennessee. And we'll see what it looks like kind of moving forward uh, with those guys. Again, I think Tennessee has a good year. I just don't think they can truly challenge Georgia. Kentucky trailed Ball State early, but really got it going there in the second quarter. Uh, we talked about that. Wouldn't it be great if Ball State could win that game? There really wasn't much chance of that. It's Kentucky, even though they are kind of a mediocre team in a Southeastern Conference, they have too many athletes to lose to Ball State without really gifting them the game. So nice win early on for uh, Kentucky, and they have a very, very manageable non-conference schedule. So there'll be some hype around them uh, here in the weeks ahead. Arkansas dominates Western Carolina, as you'd expect. Catamounts just can't match up with that. Again, that's one of the most physically dominating offensive systems in the country when you have the right pieces. And they do. They do with um, KJ and Rocket. They absolutely do. And so it really wasn't much of a game. It was 21-3 after one. It's 35-3 at the break. Then it's just kind of a matter of uh, what the final score is going to be. Rocket Sanders, kind of a pedestrian game for him, you know, just 42 yards. But you didn't need him to carry the ball in the second half. They really kind of did it by committee. Had uh, six different ball carriers, including KJ. But KJ does it through the air, 18 of 23. That's a really an efficient day for him. And that's not just dinking and dunking. I mean, average target of depth of targets, 10.7. And then 246 yards and three touchdowns. And uh, they bring in Chriswell late, and he throws a couple of completions uh, and a touchdown. So pretty efficient day for the Arkansas offense. They're going to wreck somebody's season. I, I just feel it. Don't know who it's going to be, but they're one of these teams that plays well with a the lead. They're not going to be a team that can play well from behind. But if they ever get up on somebody and get a turnover and get like a two-possession lead, they're going to shorten the game on you. And I think these new clock rules that a lot of coaches are complaining about kind of lends itself to Arkansas style of play. Ole Miss, 73-7 winners. You know, a lot of people are all excited. Uh, you know, Mercer's first play from scrimmage goes 75 yards for a touchdown. It was all Ole Miss after that. And, again, it kind of reminds me of the uh, – you know, the freeze era, you're kind of running the score up, and I've seen some people trying to defense it. I mean, you know, the reality of it is it's Mercer's job to stop Ole Miss. Not to mention, when you put those young kids in in the second half, you can't tell them not to play. I mean, yeah, you're, you're not going to run the full complement of your offense. I got a problem with this, but at the same time, too, I mean, throwing the football late's a little bit much. I mean, it is. Uh, but I got three quarterbacks in the ball game. Jackson Dart, I think he's going to hang on to that job. Uh, and I've told you guys before, the thing about Dart that always impresses me is not just the fact that he is a good athlete. His ball handling is really next level. I mean, the way he carries out his fakes, whether he's running the football or he's not, 
He is a guy that's very deceptive back there in the pocket. I really like his game. I do, and I, I know a lot of you guys think, Steve, why are you praising an Ole Miss guy? Well, I'm going to give credit where credit's due. And not to mention, they go out and recruit all these kids out of transfer portal, and, and he's holding on to the job. So, good for him. Uh, Auburn, 59-14 winners over UMass. No surprise there. UMass may not win a game this year, you know, at least not against a Division I opponent. It's going to be crazy. Of course, your Bulldogs, 48-7 winners over southeastern Louisiana. Georgia, a little bit slow getting going against UT Martin. I mean, I think we all looked up. It's, it's interesting. Like, you know, Georgia is the defending two-time defending national champion, and you look up in the second quarter, and it's uh, – guys, it's a one-possession game. They didn't go up 14-0 until there was like four minutes left in the half. It's a 7-0 ball game, five minutes to go in the first half. You don't think their fans are a little bit concerned? Probably you would say, wait, well, hey, got, we got more talent than Mississippi State does, and Mississippi State had a better first half than we did. But UT Martin, no threat, 48-7. A&M all over New Mexico, 52-10. I haven't watched the game yet. I will a little bit later. I've read it. I read up the uh, recaps and sort of stuff. Uh, it sounds like Connor Wegman had a really, really good game, 18 or 23. Depth of target, 10.3, 236 yards, and five touchdowns. Wagman with Petrino could be a problem. If Jimbo and Bobby can get along, this could be a good year for them. I'm, I'm not buying it's going to be a great year for them. I think they're probably – kind of similarly situated as Mississippi State. I think we're going to be probably on the same level when it comes to the bowl pecking order. But A&M could get somebody. They could get somebody they're not expected to. But the 52-10 win here, I mean, you didn't learn anything about them other than the fact that maybe Connor Wegman is ready to take the next step. Because no matter the quality of competition, when you go out and you throw five touchdowns and you have that level of efficiency, uh, that tells me you've worked hard in the offseason. Uh, Vanderbilt – Again, their second win of the year, 47-13 to over Alabama A&M. Not as tricky as some people expected, right? And a lot of that's just coach speak, you know that. But, uh, listen, it was 5-3 to after one quarter. If you had that on your SEC bingo card and you have won, Vanderbilt football bingo, five points, and, of course, that includes a safety, but 5-3 after one, and then you look up and there's a touchdown scored, and it's 12-3 to at the break. And then Vandy in the second half, kind of the difference in the strength and conditioning program and the fact that you recruit a better brand of athlete begins to take over. And they get some separation and win 47-13. Alabama 56-7 winners over Middle Tennessee State. You know, what can you really say about this, right? I mean, again, it's just kind of the same story as you saw with many of the other teams in the Southeastern Conference. I mean, it's just, you know, too much talent against too little talent. Uh, Milrow with a nice game, 13 of 18, 10.8 yards, depth of target, 194 yards, three touchdowns. Uh, is he the guy? You know, we'll see. You know, he does have the dual threat capacity. There's a thing, too, you look at all this, and people talk about some of the great mobile quarterbacks that Alabama's had. If you line up in a foot race, Milrow might beat them all. The guy's a freak of an athlete. If they can refine the passing a little bit, it's a real challenge, man. It's really a challenge. And this is a team, obviously, that can kind of beat you by committee at running back. But uh, it's interesting to note that all three quarterbacks for Alabama had carries. All three of them. Is that the wave of the future? Could be. 
North Carolina, 31-17 winners over South Carolina. About what we expected, right? I mean, South Carolina lost a lot. And there's so many people that are like, well, Spencer Rattler, Spencer Rattler. Listen, all due respect to Spencer Rattler, he needs some help. It's not as simple as, okay, well, this is the guy that can go take over a game for us and go win. Uh, he's got to have some people around him. And North Carolina's defense last year was not good. And so it's the thing you look at and you begin to ask yourself, did North Carolina improve that much or did South Carolina regress that much offensively? Could be a combination of both, likely is. But it's a 7-7 ball game after one, and then Carolina, North Carolina goes up 10-7, uh, excuse me, outscores from 10-7 in the second quarter to make it a 17-14 game. South Carolina, that crafty Shane Beamer comes out and they onside kick the opening kickoff of the second half. And then South Carolina jumps on it. A chance for them to at least get even and possibly take the lead. They had wrestled momentum away and they end up turning it over on downs. I question the wisdom behind going for it on fourth down because even though you didn't sustain a drive there, at least you kind of punched them in the mouth and you could flip the field a little bit. Instead, they go for it. They don't get it. Tar Heels go down and score. It's now it's a two-possession game. They score again, and at that point, the game is over. It's 31 to 14. Uh, Carolina, South Carolina, attacks on a field goal late. North Carolina defense nine sacks of Spentler Rattler. Nine. He was 30 of 39. Depth of target was 9.1. 353 yards. Uh, they had a lot of run after the catch. Running wise, absolutely abysmal. Absolutely terrible team rushing for South Carolina. You talk about a one-dimensional offense. And it wasn't like they were chasing the game the whole game. I mean, this is, a, again, it's a field goal game at the half. But you look up at this deal and you begin to ask yourself, how do you end up like this? Your leading rusher has 23 yards, and then your next three leading rushers are all negative. A lot of Bulldog fans feeling kind of optimistic about that game in South Carolina. I'm not ready to jump aboard that just yet. There will be some improvement, not to mention, you know, we put an FCS team, as did much of the, the, the league, put FCS or lower uh, FBS programs. South Carolina played North Carolina, you know, a team that's expected to uh, maybe finish third or fourth in the ACC on a neutral field. And, again, Spencer Rattler did all he could do. He just simply doesn't have any help. But nine sacks? you got to be kidding me, man. And Spencer Rattler at times will do some things to make you scratch your head. He'll take some chances. And a lot of that is because of the fact that I don't think he just believes in the people around him. Tries to do too much. And when you have people around you, it makes your quarterback more comfortable where he doesn't feel the obligation to take chances. And I think sometimes that kind of puts too much pressure on Spencer Rattler. They're going to go as far as he can take them. And I think what we saw on uh, – on Saturday night is, is that uh, unless Spencer Rattler gets some help, it's going to be a difficult year for the Carolina Gamecocks to be able to uh, to make a bowl game. I picked them six and six, but I have this as a loss. You know, so we'll see how things go. You know, obviously, there's just a lot left of football left to play, but this is a team that probably is not uh, – probably not what their fans were hoping. Speaking of disappointed fans, how do you think the folks in Baton Rouge feel? Craziness, man. What an absolute beatdown in Orlando tonight as uh, Florida State absolutely takes LSU to the woodshed. Your final is 45-24, and 
And I'll tell you this, I have watched a lot of LSU football in my day. As a guy that lived in Baton Rouge for a while, had a lot of LSU friends, I can tell you. I've seen the Tigers play many times. I don't know that I've ever seen an LSU team quit in the second half like this one did. I mentioned that on Twitter, and some people were like, you know, well, Steve in 17, uh, Dan Mullen and Nick Fitzgerald and Harris Williams kind of beat them up pretty good. Yeah, they were beat into submission that night. They quit tonight. And so if you're an LSU fan, you look at that and you're, you're somewhat concerned – and they certainly should be. I mean, guys, this was a real ball game at the half. I mean, you look up at 17-14 LSU, they get that late field goal just before the break. It was all Florida State in the second half. 31 points unanswered, and then LSU gets a trash touchdown late on just basically a go route that Jaden Daniels throws up and a guy comes down with it and makes a nice run to the end zone. But goodness gracious, 45-24. to Kind of look at some numbers here, too. Pretty crazy stuff. Uh, Jordan Travis, a lot of people were talking about, hey, this is kind of a, a potential Heisman candidate showdown. Well, even though Jaden Daniels didn't play poorly, Jordan Travis with the better game, 23 of 31, depth of target 11 yards, 342 yards through the air, four touchdowns, uh, and the one interception. Daniels, 22 of 37. Depth of target, 9.4, 347 yards, a touchdown, and a pick. Daniels also led LSU in rushing with 64 yards. That's really the issue, if you ask me. As great as Daniels is, he's not the biggest guy. And if he's going to carry it 15, 16 times a ball game, he's going to get some big hits. And he did tonight against Florida State, a couple of really big licks there. But uh, the leading rusher from the running backs had 44 yards. Outside of that, they didn't have a single rusher have more than four yards. That's not LSU football. That's not really Brian Kelly football. And so you kind of wonder, hey, did Florida State take them out of their game plan? I think they did, and they kind of put it in on the, uh, the arm of Jaden Daniels, and he did his best, but they simply couldn't get open. That's the thing, too, and, and uh, I know some people say, Steve, you got a little sour grapes. Guys, when Greg Brooks was committed to Mississippi State, I didn't like the take. Uh, I know some other people did because they fall in love with the guys that they think Mississippi State's going to get. Watching the tape, I didn't like him. I thought he was too small. Uh, he had some pretty good speed. And uh, I remember talking to uh, Deshae, Deshae Townsend, uh, not Deshae Townsend, uh, Terrell Buckley. He said, you know, really, we kind of like him as a punt returner and maybe as a reserve corner. Well, that makes sense. Well, you know, then he goes to Arkansas, and uh, that was a win for us. He was not good at Arkansas. He goes into the portal and uh, is now starting at LSU, and uh, he will be featured prominently in Florida State's end-of-the-year highlight video. I mean, it was incredible tonight. That's the thing I think about. LSU has always kind of fashioned themselves as DBU, and it's hard to argue against that. I thought that secondary tonight was not good. Uh, I, I thought there were several times, and even though Jordan Travis only had the eight incompletions, there were a couple times that Florida State had receivers open and just couldn't make the connection. Uh, and that, that LSU offensive line got pushed around. That, and granted, the Florida State front's really, really good. They've played the portal game really well. Uh, but that said, that's not the brand of football we expect from LSU. Of course, they uh, will get a little bit of a tune-up game uh, next week. You know, before they head to uh, Starkville, they'll take on Grambling in Tiger Stadium at 6.30 Eastern uh, next Saturday night. 
And then, of course, the, the, the Bulldogs play Arizona. So uh, LSU, as bad as today feels, they'll get a bit of a laugh for next week. And let's not forget either LSU lost this game to Florida State a year ago, but it was kind of fluky. If you remember, Malik Neighbors had a couple of muffs. So it was just some crazy stuff that happened in that game. This loss, totally different. And, of course, LSU last year, even after that, kind of quietly flew under the radar and got hot late. That's the sign of a good coaching staff and a team that's willing to accept coaching. Uh, don't leave the Tigers dead and buried by any stretch of the imagination. There's not a lot of talent on that team. A lot of Bulldog fans now are kind of looking at that game here in a couple weeks saying, you know what, maybe we got a shot Saturday morning. Uh, I, I, listen, it's always tough when you play LSU, whether it's in Starkville or in Baton Rouge, but certainly – this Bulldog team is more talented than the one that went to uh, LSU last year and had a lead in the fourth quarter. Just couldn't finish the deal because the defense ran out of gas because we could not sustain anything offensively. And that's going to be the real key for the Bulldogs, right? You're going to have to be able to go out there and sustain some drives. Florida State ran the football exceptionally well uh, tonight against LSU. Uh, and that's probably what you'd expect from a Mike Norville team. But I tell you this, there were times, especially late, that it just seemed like Florida State ran when they wanted to. Benson, 12 carries, 47 yards, and really kind of a by-committee approach. Uh, Jordan Travis, 38 yards rushing. Hill with 29. Uh, Toa Feely with 20. And so, from a team standpoint, you look at it and say, hey, those numbers kind of add up to a decent number. But when you start doing the math on this, and you start thinking about the fact that uh, this LSU defense gave up a ton of offense tonight. And of course, a lot of that happens, you know, in the second half when it appears that the, the game is in hand. Uh, and so I think when you look at it from Mississippi State's point of view is if you can go out and establish the run and be the more physical team, which is easier said than done, you got a chance to win. Uh, so again, looking back here, and again, I, I did pick LSU to win a close ball game. They didn't. They didn't win, nor was it a close ball game. But uh, yeah, so a decent week, but uh, the toss-up games, you know, uh, I guess we go one and two in the toss-up games. I did pick North Carolina to beat South Carolina. I thought that Utah would beat Florida, and Florida would cover. So as far as winners go, we get Utah correct and South Carolina and North Carolina correct, and LSU wrong. But um, that's the fun part of it, right? Quickly looking ahead here before we get ready to get out of here. Looking at next week, there will be a lot more competitive games. So there should be. Uh, real quickly, Vanderbilt visits Wake Forest. Ball State's at Georgia. East Kentucky at Kentucky. Ole Miss at Tulane. That could be a really interesting game. Texas A&M at Miami. Kent State at Arkansas. Austin P at Tennessee. Texas at Alabama. Uh, that's that primetime game that we're all looking forward to on ESPN. Middle Tennessee at Missouri, back-to-back -back weeks for the Blue Raiders against SEC opponents. Them, them and Ball State both uh, in the check-collecting mode. Grambling at LSU, McNeese at Florida, Arizona at Mississippi State, Furman at South Carolina, and then Auburn at California. And you see that Auburn uh, actually favored on the road against Cal. And uh, I think they'll be in good shape. But we'll preview all that uh, much later. But, uh, again, to kind of wrap up, State 1-0 now. Some things to feel really good about, some things to be a little concerned about, right? And uh, I think that's a good place. Now, by the time you listen to the show, of course, I'm getting done with this around, uh, I don't know, 1040 Sunday night. So we'll have this up for you, and you'll have a chance to listen to it uh, in the morning hours or perhaps late tonight. I don't know your schedule. 
but anyway, we'll get Zach Arnett tomorrow at noon, and then, of course, uh, coordinators tomorrow evening after practice. So look for full coverage again over at jeanspage.com. And if memory serves me correct, we had 16 stories on game day. 16 stories on game day. And uh, right about 10 or so today. We'll do a uh, probably do a weekend wrap-up story for you. Uh, tomorrow is Labor Day. So enjoy some time with your friends and family. Many of you will be uh, off work. Uh, we'll be laboring here at uh, jeanspage.com as we try to get you some more information and kind of set things up uh, for the Bulldogs' uh, weekend matchup against Arizona. For those of you that uh, were, are unaware of that, Arizona-Mississippi State will kick it off uh, at 6.30 p.m. Saturday night. So it will be a night game. And so please make plans to attend. It's I kind of open the show with. Really, really need you guys uh, to be here and be a part of that. Uh, Arizona Wildcats win against Northern Arizona 38-3 to in week one. And uh, that was a bit of a ball game after a quarter, 7-3, to but Arizona gets it going. We will preview Arizona and kind of break them down uh, on Friday uh, and kind of prepare you for the weekend. But uh, should be an entertaining ball game. And uh, you know, we'll recap kind of what happened last year and look ahead to see what Arizona's doing this year. But, again, there's, you, know, you, you don't know a lot about Mississippi State after playing Southeastern. You don't know a lot about Arizona after playing Northern Arizona. It'll be a real test for both teams. Uh, you feel good about where Mississippi State stands right now. It's, uh, most books have us as an eight-and-a-half, nine-point favorite in this ball game. There was some uh, tweets earlier. Some minor books had stayed a much bigger favorite, uh, but State will be a single-digit favorite, probably settle somewhere around the touchdown. Uh, I do like State's chances in the ball game, and we'll break that down more uh, later in the week. But anyway, happy Labor Day to you and your family. Uh, if you hadn't done so, go to whenthebottomfalls.com. You can pre-order my new book. It'll be out in a few weeks. Uh, it's basically my life and uh, my pathway to recovery and living life in recovery and uh, all the great things that have happened to me along the way and a lot of the bad things that have happened. I'm very transparent in this book. I'm trying to help uh, people that suffer from addiction. And it's not just a book about addiction, even though that's a big part of things. It's really... You know, it's kind of like an underdog story in many respects. And there is some sports stuff in there, but not a whole lot. But if you're looking for my sports work, you can find it there at whenthebottomfalls.com. You can get copies of Alpha Dog, Stark Villains, Flim Flam, and Dogpile. And every Bulldog deserves a copy of Dogpile. If you don't have one, whether you read or not, you're going to want to have this to kind of commemorate the fact that your university won the national championship in the College World Series in 2021. Be sure and check that out. And uh, if you need Stark Villains gear, very easy to find. Go to StarkVillains.com. Uh, very happy to partner with a great local uh, company that's uh, putting those shirts together for us. And 50% off the annual subscription price at JeansPage.com. Uh, come by and be a part of our uh, merry band of misfits. And, again, unprecedented coverage. We're always looking to raise the bar. It's one of the reasons that I keep adding staff. Uh, you know, I got some guys, too, at some point, that, you know, they're going to retire. Guys are going to leave. That's part of it. But we have a standard to maintain, and it's something that I take very, very seriously. We like to be able to say that we are the ultimate authority on Mississippi State Athletics, and uh, we will continue to do that. That's always going to be our goal, uh, always going to be our focus, because that's what you deserve. Simple as that. You deserve the most extensive coverage you can possibly find. And you're going to find it every single day at jeanspage.com, the Mississippi State affiliate for 247 Sports. Hey, that's it for today. Again, we'll be back on Wednesday. And uh, happy to get this show up for you a little bit earlier than normal. I couldn't wait to record. 
but also I've got some plans in the morning, and then we got to see our nets. It's a busy day on Monday. I'm just trying to kind of clear the deck a little bit. Uh, so when I can, I will try to do the Monday show on Sunday night, Sunday evening, uh, so you guys can have the full uh, day on Monday to check that out. And also with the being a holiday, maybe you want to sit around the pool and put the earbuds in uh, and listen to the show. Uh, but all that said, congratulations, Bulldog family. We're 1-0, right where we expected to be. We prepared to go play the Arizona Wildcats here in week two. Until next time, let's all live our lives in a way we make more friends than enemies and people can see a difference in the way we live. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.